As a OneOuter.com podcast listener, we're offering a special discount for joining PokerXFactor.com. You can qualify for a massive $70 off your sign-up. All you need to do is enter promotional code OneOuter70. That's O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-7-0. Okay, it's a great privilege for OneOuter.com today to speak with Mike Wolf. Um, I've read Mike's infamous now uh, thread on 2 Plus 2 about you know living out his car and stuff like that. He's recently signed a deal with SureBetPoker.com. He's a well-known writer and blogger. Um, how are you doing today, Mike? Good. How are you doing, Barry? Thanks for having me. I'm fantastic. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So, um, you know, uh, what sort of thing's up to you just now? Where are you? Uh, I'm actually in New York at the moment. I just got back from the World Series of Poker Europe in Cannes, uh, which was a great time, and I'm about to head to AC just to start grinding cash games again. Okay, so AC, for some of the listeners in the UK that don't know, is Atlantic City, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, in, uh, it's in New Jersey, about an hour and a half away from uh, where I'm staying in New York. So it, it's quite okay. a bit of a drive, but I go for maybe two or three days a week. Right, okay. And um, how was the World Series of Europe for you? Uh, it was all right. Um, I played the 1090 Euro, and mm-hmm. I took a three-outer, which is kind of funny. Uh, mm. I set this kid up all day. He was playing really aggressively, and I... I ended up getting my money with Ace King versus uh, King Five on a King High flop, and he turned to five. But mm. I mean, I don't want to be the guy to tell a bad beat story, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I became that guy apparently. Um, yeah, yeah. The cash games though, the uh, the rake was so high that I decided not even to play the cash games, just to like check out the city instead. Uh-huh. I've heard stories about the the rake being crazy in France. Uh, what sort of what was the deal? Was it like. I, I want to say it was upwards of, of 15% of, mm-hmm. uh, of the pot. And I, I don't know if it was capped or, or how it was, but, I mean, 15% is kind of crazy, especially when you're used to playing online, you know. Yeah. It's it's usury, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's so so difficult to beat that game, isn't it, to even beat the rake? Yeah, you could you could be Phil Ivey and still break even, you know. It's it's kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... You know, you mentioned the tournament. What was the? I've played the one uh, K event um, at the World Series uh, Europe, but when it was in London a couple of years ago, and the structure was a little bit ridiculous. You know, you got three thousand chips, but what they did is they had the first two levels. They kept them at the same blind level to try and put a little bit extra play in it. So, just out of curiosity, what was the sort of deal with it? Was it three K starting stack and twenty five fifty? Uh, yeah, it was it was a three K starting stack, and it was twenty five twenty five for the first level, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah, that that's what they did in London. They they did something like that to give you like an extra sort of level. Yeah, it definitely helps out. But I mean, with with all the one Ks, it's it's always a three K starting stack, which is kind of meh. But the uh, the hour levels really helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So did you get far in the tournament, or like when you when you bust out when you took your beat? No, it was before the dinner break. I mean, it was pretty, right. pretty standard. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was fun though. I, I definitely, I definitely feel like there are a lot of uh, a lot of fishies swimming around in in France, which is uh, good for poker, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people were saying when it's going to be held in France that you know the field, the quality of the field, obviously the main event, and even the one K. There's a lot of pros, you know, travel out for it, but 
a lot more locals are going to jump in a 1K, you know, event and give it a spin. Yeah, I felt like I had a pretty decent edge, which was fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could have played a few more events, but I, I don't know. I was, I was in France, and I was just kind of wandering about, and uh, I felt like I, I'm not going to be back there for a while, so I decided kind of just to, like, travel around instead. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm such a lazy poker player. <laughs> I, th- I think most of most of us are. So, um, how you you know you find yourself in the World Series of Europe playing an event there out in Cannes, and I'm assuming you were playing for you know sure bet poker, um, and now you're in New York, you're going away to Atlantic City tonight to play cash games. So, uh, how did you sort of get your start in poker, and how did you get to this point? Uh well, I always played poker online uh as far back as i can remember i remember playing on party poker uh back in the day when i was like underage you know mm-hmm. not allowed to play but everyone was so it didn't really make a difference it's a little different yeah. now but um after i graduated college i just um i decided i didn't want a job a real job not that mm-hmm. poker's not a real job but I, I didn't want to grind uh a nine to five uh type of situation so I decided just to start traveling and, and playing small stakes cash games until I built up my role. And, uh, you know, I found myself kind of sleeping on the beach all day in Florida and then, like, uh, playing cash games all night because the, uh, the cash games were so soft that I could pretty much make a living from doing it. And I started a thread on 2 Plus 2, which has gotten a lot of love. And, uh, I mean, I can't thank those guys enough because they keep me going, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And, um... From the thread, I got contacted from uh, two different poker magazines, which is pretty cool. Um, Annie Up and Poker Pro asked me to start mm-hmm. writing for them. Um, so I started writing monthly uh, columns and stuff. And I took a poker cruise for Annie Up to teach a seminar on uh, small stakes cash games, like 1 2, 2 5, 5 10. Yeah. I, I met the, uh, the CEO of a, of a website called SureBet that was set to launch about a month after the cruise. This is a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, he was really impressed by my play, and we had a great time. And he asked me to join the team. You know, he saw that I was a, a, a really good poker writer, and and he wanted me to join the team. So, of course, I, I snap accepted, you know, and mm-hmm. and the rest is pretty much history. Now I'm, I'm playing a lot of events and stuff. I was out in Vegas for the World Series, and uh, I crushed the cash games out there for a month or so. And, and then I was in Indiana for a bit to play the ISPC. I actually got a, a second and a third uh, in two different events there. And now I'm kind of I'm trying to figure out if, if I want to go to Toronto or Mexico to grind online. I can't really decide at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you, that's do you mean for like relocating? Yeah, like permanently. So well, at least in the meantime, where the U.S. poker situation you're on about moving to Mexico or Canada and sort of setting yourself up for online now. Yeah, that that's the plan. It's just the freedom of playing online. It's it's so much more crucial, you know. When you, mm-hmm. when you play live, you kind of have to pay for tolls and for gas to to drive to and from a casino. But when you play online, you can just kind of lounge. You don't have any expenses, and you can multi-table too. It's yeah, like I I kind of have no choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you seem to be doing you know well at the live, and as you say, I don't know how you find it, but when I was out in Vegas, um. I played um, cash at the Bellagio. That's the, I only played one tournament. It was at the Venetian. And I played cash at the Bellagio pretty much exclusively. Just one $2. And it was so soft. Um, <laughs> I'm mainly a tournament player. But, you know, I, I didn't have a losing session over, like, eight days. 
you know, in the Bellagio. And I don't know if that was just luck running whatever, but even observing the table, I mean, live cash can sometimes be, you know, if you're running like average, you can make, you know, your win rates much, much higher than online. You know, you don't, online cash games, even nowadays, people are saying, you know, 25 NL and 50 NL and stuff is, is tough because you got these young guys, as you say, multi-tabling with all the tools and stuff. Um, whereas live, you know, you've got recreational players sitting down. So what do you think about that, you know, in terms of, like, your win rate and stuff? That is so true. I, I, I've had a – I've held a – just an insane win rate at live 1-2 and 2-5 over the past maybe six months. That's just absurd. You know, if, if I posted what my win rate was or whatever, I posted a graph, people on 2 plus 2 and pocket fives would laugh at me. That's how absurd it is. Yeah. But – uh I don't know. The difference between live and online is that um, online you can kind of break even but still make a lot of money at the end of the year by uh, kind of grinding rake back. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of different tools that are available to, to online players that live players don't have. You know, it kind of it kind of sucks, but what can mm-hmm. you do? Yeah. And I suppose, as you say, the freedom and just a lot of American guys will be noticing it now with, you know, the ability to play online poker pretty much you know out of reach it just to wake up in your comfort your own home switch on the computer when you want play stop take a break and as you say if you're driving you know one two hours to a casino it's just it's just a different ball game isn't it it's just barry man it's just brutal like i would find myself driving to ac and it's it's cold and stuff and nobody i know is really down there during the week and I'm only there for two or three days, and say I woke up, I didn't feel like playing, I would still have to grind, you know, say, an eight-hour eight session of 2-5, even though I didn't feel like playing. And I yeah. feel like the, the quality of my play would, would go down, it would diminish. So mm-hmm. I, I really miss online, um, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to go to either Toronto or Mexico just, just to start grinding again. It's it's mm-hmm. crucial, you know? Yeah, um, especially with, you know, a lot of the guys seem to be moving to, you know, Canada or... South America, it seems to be the sort of uh, involved sort of destinations, Costa Rica, you know, Mexico, Canada, it seems to be those sort of three are the big ones. Um, you got any friends of that online guys that are down there that you may be going to, you know, meet up with and grind with there? Or uh, Yeah, actually, I met two, uh, two really cool guys out in the Midwest in Indiana when I was out there for the ISPC, uh, my buddy Ian and my other friend Kyle, who just moved to Cabo for three months right. to, uh, to grind MTTs online. And I get Facebook messages every day and they're telling me how they're crushing and stuff. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think what a lot of guys will find just now um, is they probably didn't play or they didn't put in as big a volume as they should have been doing online, but now it's been taken away from them. It's like that thing, you know, you don't miss it till it's gone sort of thing. They'll, they'll really, I think a lot of guys will miss the option of, you know, loading up their tournaments on a Sunday or playing cash, whatever. I think they'll be kicking themselves that they maybe didn't play more, you know, when the, when the opportunity was there. Kind of, kind of like my ex-girlfriend, right? You just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like any, well, like a lot of people's ex-girlfriend, you know, you don't miss them till they're gone sort of thing. Uh, unless the next one's better. And, you know, once the U.S. situation started out, it might be better, you know, for everyone. Once it gets fully regulated and stuff, which you know everyone's hoping for, obviously. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense for the government not to legalize it. Uh, they're mm-hmm. missing out on you know 
X, oh, yeah. X amount of millions of dollars in tax revenue that they wouldn't be getting otherwise. But it might take a year or two years. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So um, you say you started on party poker and stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, even if you were underage at the time. What was your sort of like tentative sort of steps into poker? Were you, you know, money management? I mean, that's always the big one I talk to with the pros, you know, and I've had big guys on and they always talk money management money management but a lot of poker players have always been broke you know at least once in their careers and stuff what was your sort of mentality you know just starting out oh man i was i was so bad in the beginning i would deposit um i would deposit fifty dollars at a time and just Mm -hmm. jump right into like say a three six or five ten limit game with 50 bucks and just spew it away in like less than 15 minutes, you know? Nice. <laughs> I would just, yeah, I was, I was such a fish and it, the learning curve was, was really, really sharp because I would, I would deposit and then I would rush it up, say, you know, one out of every four deposit deposits, I would rush up to a thousand dollars or something and then lose it all the same, the same day. And yeah. it took me a while to, uh, to get myself on track. I had to read the forums and stuff and start exploring bankroll management before I really got good. I, I'd say it took me about a year to really get everything down pat. Mm-hmm. So did, did you find that when you were playing it, I mean, like someone myself, I've always, up until recently, up until about this time last year, actually, I was like, you said, I would deposit, especially online, run it up, play without outside my bankroll and bust it, you know, leave it for a while, deposit money, run it up, bust it, <laughs> rinse and repeat sort of thing. And live, you know, there was lots of times I would sit with basically 100% of my role on the table and stuff. And um, it's just, you know, I think you get to a point that you just sort of say, right, this isn't working, you know. It's and the more the more you read into variance and stuff, it's just it's just no matter how good you think you are or how, or how big an edge you think, variance is just going to get you eventually. Yeah, people just, they don't understand uh, how much variance is in poker, you know, mm. I have a friend from college. I'm I'm not gonna you know say his name or anything, but yeah, we used to play a lot, and he would always play uh, like two, four, and three, six heads up online. Mm-hmm. And there were weeks where he would crush, you know, and he didn't understand that it's you can't maintain that lifestyle. It, no matter how good you are, he might have an edge, but I mean, yeah, he's gonna get sucked out, he's gonna get coolered, and he's gonna lose his entire bankroll in like one afternoon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So. The stakes you're playing just now. Now, what was the sort of turning point for you then to get a, you know, a bankroll together for you to go and travel and live out your car, sort of thing, live, live the dream, so to speak? Um, well, I, I just decided that even though I might be a, a winning player at two five and five ten, mm-hmm. I feel like my win rate would be higher at one two and one three, mm-hmm. uh, USD pretty much. So, I decided to. Uh, to play smaller stakes and kind of let go of my ego, you know, mm-hmm. about uh, about a year about a year ago, I just decided to completely let go of my ego and and not care that my friends were playing higher than me and stuff and just grind one two, and and you'd be surprised like how much money you could make just sucking it up and kind of playing ABC. Yeah, and as you say, especially live, you know, in these places like these resorts and stuff like that. I mean. If you are, I mean, what I saw, I've only been to Vegas once, but that was the Bellagio, and it was literally, it, it was free money. It, there's no other way to say it. It was free money. If you've got a role there, you know, to, a few thousand to sit and play one, two, I think you could make decent money, you know, each day there. 
Yeah, I mean, you only need like maybe ten buy-ins to play live one-two. You know, mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. little risk of of ruin. Like you're not really going to go broke if you have ten or fifteen buy-ins. Whereas yeah. online, if you had ten buy-ins for a stake, even if it's like two NL, you could still easily go broke because the quality of play is just so much higher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I was reading somewhere, or I can't remember if someone said it to me, but. You say, you know, that some of the games at like 100 NL or 1-2 is tougher than 5-10 because you've just got these guys grinding it out 10, 15 tables at a time. Absolute, you know, Jedis. They're just <laughs> focusing in. Whereas, you know, higher stakes, some guys might just jump on, deposit, you know, try and gamble it up or whatever. But, yeah, people look at stakes online and I think it's definitely skewed in terms of you'd be surprised at how good a player there is at maybe like 50 NL even, you know. Obviously, there's a ton of fish as well, but mm-hmm. there will be very good players that could probably play a lot higher, but just don't want the swings, possibly. I, I totally agree, man. I used to play, um, when I was playing online, I used to play like 100 and 200 NL, and then when I when I got back to playing live, I started playing 1, 2, and 2, 5, and just, it, it's not even close. I would mm-hmm. say, I would honestly say that a 1, 2 live table is the equivalent of, say, a 5 cent, 10 cent online table. Yeah. In, in yeah. the U.S., I, uh-huh. it's almost laughable <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy I mean when I first played at the Bellagio like I was saying I was totally having to adjust you know my expectations and hand ranges and stuff because when it was going to showdown I was just completely shocked at like what some people had you know they'd called like my $80 value bet on the river they would call me like bottom pair on four to a straight and stuff and you're just going wow you know <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, you know, you build up a role playing live and stuff. Has there been any sort of downsides, points where you've been broke and had to start again or anything like that? Or has it been pretty much a sort of a steady climb up and good money management? Uh, in the past year, no. I haven't gone broke, but I've been close a couple times. There were uh, there were a few times where I booked, like, I want to say six or seven cash game losing sessions in a row. And I was just totally sick, and I would post on on the uh, on the thread in two plus two. And I have to be honest, man; those guys they they pulled me out of the gutter. You know, they told me to get back out there and stuff. And it, it's been really tough. But I mean, now I I kind of get backed for a lot of things, so I, I don't really have to worry about going broke, which is nice. Yeah. So how did you sort of deal with that? You know, like the downswing. That's always it's easy when you're playing well and things are going great to sort of you know, have that bounce about you and right off the beat and stuff. But when you have, you know, a sustained downswing and whether that's, you know, six six sessions in a row or even just a really bad night, how do you find yourself sort of dealing with the with the mental aspects of poker? Especially, you know, if you're on your road on the road and you're, you know, living out your car and stuff or crashing at a hotel or whatever. I I used to be really bad. Um, I used to like question my entire life. You know, my my. My life's calling. Uh, yeah. Should I really be spending my time playing poker when I could be a lawyer or a doctor or something? Yeah. But uh, but nowadays I kind of I look at the aggregate. You know, I, I look at the the end goal. Um, I, I look at my win rate over the past year. You know, not at the end of a session. So it doesn't really matter if I if I win or lose in a given session because I know that I'm a winning player. So yeah. it's it's easier to deal with once my knowledge of variance uh, kind of brought into, I, I realize it's easier to deal with, you know, the mm-hmm. downswings when you, when you understand how easy it is to, to have one losing session. Yeah. So I, I think knowledge 
uh, of variance really really helped with how I deal with it. Now I I don't even care as long as I played well. I I have no problem. I just go on with my day. It's now time for the sponsor strategy segment brought to you by PokerXFactor.com. Hey everybody, this is Alex Cambaris for PokerXFactor.com. To punish the limp or not punish the limp? That is the question, and it's something that a lot of low- and mid-stakes MTT players constantly struggle with. Start by determining the playability of your hand. If it's a hand that plays well multi-ways, such as a suited connector or a small pair, then you can more easily limp behind open limpers. However, if it's a hand like King-Queen or Ace-Jack, hands that perform much better in heads-up, raised pots, then you should likely punish. Also, analyze your position. If you're in late position, especially on the button, even with those small pairs or pseudo-connectors, then you should usually punish rather than overlimp. This is because you're far more likely to end up in position in a heads-up pot and queen with the C-bet regardless of whether you hit the flop or not. Again, this has been Alex Cambaris for PokerXFactor.com. Hi, Jared uh, Tendler, you know, the mental game coach I'm on my podcast before. And he did a couple of sessions with me and really helped my game. And, you know, I bought a copy of his book and it just, it has. It's been like almost an epiphany the last few months. You know, I've completely changed and I've started to, you know, become a more solid winner and consistent. And the beats just don't, like, stress me up like they used to. And like you say, I used to question everything. Like, you know, well, this and that, I'm being punished, etc. It's a crazy game. So, um, you know, if you've got any interesting stories about your time on the road and stuff like that, I mean, I'm sure you've bumped into a few characters, etc. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I've I've pretty been I've pretty much been all over the U.S. like uh, driving around. So mm-hmm. I remember the first article I wrote actually was in a was in a Starbucks in Miami. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really proud of this, but I was kind of taking a shower in a Starbucks bathroom. I didn't have any any place else to shower. So I was like, all right, I'll just clean up really quick. And I got the message on my phone that uh, Annie Up was like, hey, you know, we we really want you to write for us. So I was like, oh, my God. So I kind of just stopped and I I bust out my laptop and I I wrote my entire first article just like there, right, in a Starbucks. Right. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, As far as characters go. Yeah, I've, I've met some people who have, like, tried to scam me and stuff here and there from, like, mm-hmm. plus two, but the majority of people are really cool. Like, I uh, I met this kid from um, Toronto. He posted on my thread when I was in Miami, and he was like, hey, dude, I'm flying down. I bought a one-way ticket. Like, pick me up from this airport. Mm-hmm. So I get a text message uh, from this kid, and he said, hey, man, I'm at this airport. And I was like, really? I, I kind of thought you were joking, you know? So... <laughs> Turns out he's just a you know a twenty year old online uh, supernova elite who just decided to fly down and hang out, and his name is Andy and he's like the coolest kid ever. We ended up spending like two weeks together in Florida just grinding cash games from place to place. It was pretty amazing. Nice. <laughs> These supernova elite guys are different on another planet, aren't they? They they work ethic and stuff. I I don't think I could ever do that. Although the the benefits financially of, of gaining the, the status are amazing. Huge. Yeah. I, just, I don't think I could ever do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... you seem to be a guy that sort of likes his, you know, likes life as well and uh, sees poker for, for, you know, a way to travel, see the world, get a bit of money together and sort of avoid the, as you said, you know, like the sort of nine to five grind. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, th- these guys just take it to another level. They're 
in front of their computer 12 hours or more a day consistently every day you know to get that sort of level and you got to take your hat off to them because to put the stamina required for that like you say i, I mean i don't know if i could do that yeah i have i have a lot of respect for those guys but the thing the thing is though man I, I feel like even if you win say you bank 100k at the end of the year after mm-hmm. getting the status and stuff is is an entire year of your life really worth a hundred thousand dollars you know i mm-hmm. I feel like we're only young once. We only have one time to live, so I'd rather kind of explore and and check out you know a couple mm-hmm. of different countries instead of like grind every day. Yeah, rather make fifty and do you know a quarter of the work or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and have like a fulfilling life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, with, with the travels and stuff, uh, I'm sure you got loads of little tips and secrets and that. I remember reading through some of your two plus two thread, and you were on about. Uh, the Taj, I think, is that the Taj in AC, the Taj Mahal? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one that's in Rounders, isn't it, with like Johnny Chan and stuff like that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure. so, yeah, so you were on about, you stayed uh, there, and you were paying like uh, $5 a night, which was the room tax, and you stayed there for two months, which, you know, is a cheap rate. <laughs> Pretty absurd. I um, What they do is they give you... um. If you play and clear, I want to say 10,000 tier points, they give you a black card, an executive card. And once yeah. you get that, they just give you free rooms, and you only have to pay the uh, the sales tax, which is 5 bucks a night. Right. So once I, I kind of ground that out, I was like, perfect. Like, Let me see how much money I could win playing two months straight and just living out of a hotel. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. It was pretty amazing. I, I suggest like... If you're a poker player and you're you're young and you don't have any kind of uh, ties to the real world, mm-hmm. you have to spend at least like seven days or fourteen days straight in a casino mm-hmm. just to kind of explore your degeneracy. It's like you find out so much about yourself and the limitations and stuff. It's it's so life changing, man. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, I might discuss it with my girlfriend and head out next week. <laughs> oh God! That, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how how does that? Uh, how did the two months go? Uh, when you were living at the Taj and essentially sort of play, playing the games there, how how did you find it? Uh, it was good. I mean, it was cool. I had to I had to balance out. There's a uh, there's a beach right in front of the Taj. The Atlantic City uh, Boardwalk is right there. So. I went to the beach a couple times, and I was, like, working out in the hotel. But uh, I had um, a 5K month, which is pretty good for 1-2. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was awesome. You know, I mean, I, I had to pan things out with the girlfriend, like you said. But mm-hmm. she came down and visited a couple times here and there. But overall, it was it was awesome. You know, it gave me that the cushion, like the bankroll cushion to, like, take shots at bigger games. Yeah. So what what were you playing then? Was that mainly one two, yeah? And then yeah. you maybe would take a stab at one three or two four or whatever. Yeah, that that was the plan, and it worked yeah. out pretty well, you know, because now I now I could play two five and five ten, and it, I only had to invest two months, you know. So yeah, definitely worth it. Definitely. So Atlantic City then, um, I take it from Manhattan. There's there's like trains and stuff that go there. Yeah, they have a they have a Greyhound bus that runs like twenty four hours. Um, bus line and it costs i want to say 30 bucks 30 american uh-huh. 30 usd and when you get there they actually give you 20 dollars in slot machine comps right so you can kind of like try to run the 20 dollars up into something you know even though if you bust it it's still only a 30 dollar ticket but say you win you know then you're free rolling on the seat it's pretty awesome yeah 
That's <laughs> cool. I love those degenerate stories like that. You know, like when Alan Kessler's on about like how to get his uh, dinner vouchers and stuff in Vegas and, you know, all these little comps and like, like you say, room comps and stuff like that. So um, I, I take it Atlantic City, like, would you say the games are softer there than Vegas? Um, or are there more rounders and grinders there? Uh, here's the thing. I would say that there are, I mean, the games equally at the stakes I play are, are soft at both places, but I feel like the regulars in Atlantic City, although they've been playing every day for the last 20 years, they still mm-hmm. kind of suck, you know? Like, yeah. Even though they're they're 50 years old, they've, they've known poker before I was born, they're still, like, really, really bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I like the Taj, uh, personally, better than the Borgata because I find that at the Borgata, uh, even during the week, you have a lot of younger players who are, like, trying to play for a living, like giving playing for a living a shot. So yeah. I'd, I'd rather just let go of my ego and then grind at the Taj and make more money, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you're playing these, these live cash games and stuff, what's your what's your sort of goals in poker? With, with the, is it just to, like you say, to evade the 9 to 5 and the, the real world job prospects or whatever and just to have a nice life, travel? Or are you looking to try and like move up the stakes? And, you know, what what's your, what's your sort of, Goals in poker. Um, let's see, goals in poker. I'm, I'm looking to transition into tournaments because I, I really want to have the big score. You know, the elusive <laughs> six-figure score. Yeah. And um, kind of sucks that I can't play all the Sundays uh, on on Stars or anything, but uh, <laughs> it's a little harder now. But yeah. I'm, I'm looking to move up in the stakes. I don't see myself ever playing crazy high stakes. Maybe I'll stop playing once I get to like twenty-five fifty or so. Yeah, but I just I really want to win a bracelet, or I want to win like a WPT title or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. Yeah, I, th- I think everybody wants that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems about poker. It's even the the cash. I've spoken to a lot of guys that you know, well known cash grinders and stuff like that. But there's something in a poker player that wants that um, trophy or that sense of accomplishment or, or beating a few hundred or well a few thousand people sometimes now. You know, to win a monster payday and a sort of bracelet and stuff i think it may be like we said you know poker players are lazy i think it just fits into you can play one tournament and bang you know there's a million dollars sort of thing it's crazy you know all you need is one and that's that's the thing what's so sick about poker is that it might be the next tournament i play yeah i might i'm going to mississippi to play uh uh the world series of poker circuit and like the first event i play down there i might just ship outright and yeah, I'll never know that until I play it. You know, it's it's so crazy. That's Tournaments it. are nuts, man. Tournaments are wild. Yeah, I think poker does. I mean, if you if you let it, like you say, when you're questioning yourself on downswings, it can it can run away with your mind. Like you could play a tournament, and if you don't play that tournament, you would never know. But as you say, if you play it, you could win it outright, and you would. It's just it's all this chance and unknown stuff, and when you start going into that, I just, I think, I think it can, it can screw with a lot of young guys' minds. That's, that's so true, man. Like, I, I've been playing, uh, cash games pretty much my whole life, and I know that every single hour, you know, whether I win or lose, at the end of a year, I'm gonna have a certain, you know, uh, window of, of a win rate, kind of, sort of. And, yeah. although that's awesome that I can make money playing a game, uh, once I play tournaments, it's like, 
I could make an exponential amount of money in like six days or five days, you know, that I would never ever dream of making at two five or five ten. Yeah. It's like I kind of I have to play tournaments. Like uh-huh. I wanna ship something huge, something crazy and just like buy a, a house on the other side of the world, you know, an apartment on the other side of the world by myself or something, like write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's true. It's it's like a lot of guys that grind the cash, you say, you know, oh, I, I like the, the steadiness of my graph, except, so, you know, like you say, a win rate, even if they have little downswings, they know they're going to play through it. And like you say, with rate back and stuff, they're going to make, you know, X amount of dollars per year. But the thing that tournament poker does, I think it satisfies that urge that you can, you know, it, it's like, a, it's almost like a lottery or something, you know, it could be you that one time that sets yourself up, like you say, years of work at a cash game can be, can be done in six days at a tournament, you know, and it's going to happen this week at the World Series of main event, and it's happened already in the side events there. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's so sick. It, it's so hard, though. That's the thing. Like, you need to run so good for, like, you know, for, for a few days straight. Like, every single oh, yeah. day you need to run like God. It's it's kind of crazy. You know? Yeah, it's, it is, it's crazy. So the, the surebetpoker.com... Um, now that they're live, I think they went live on the 1st of October, was it? Yeah, yeah. They um, Sadly, they couldn't open in the U.S., which really sucks because I, I live in the U.S. right now. But um, yeah. but uh, we went to Cannes to play the World Series of Poker Europe, and we were playing a little bit online when we were there, which was mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, and yeah, they, uh, they gave away, I want to say, $5 to the first 100 players and then a dollar to the next you know, 100 players, which is pretty cool. And we had uh, a lot of signups. It was fun, man. Yeah. So what, what's the sort of deal with Surebet for yourself? Are they going to, uh, is it going to be like continued in the live uh, live tournament arena? Are they going to see, you know, you'll be wearing a patch and stuff? And obviously if you move to Canada or somewhere you can play online, you'll be playing on the site? Or Yeah, man, I'm going to be playing. Uh, if, I, if I move to either Toronto or Cabo, I'm definitely going to be playing um Every day on Surebet, and whenever I play uh, big events, I I'm all patched out. Yeah, yeah. So how how do you find that as as a sort of another uh, excuse the pun, you know, another sort of like badge, another poker badge, like in your CV, you know, your your poker blogger, poker writer, now you're a sponsored poker player. It's, it seems to be sort of coming together for you. Yeah, man. It's it's really really insane to think about that. A year ago, I was like sleeping out of my car with three hundred bucks to my name. You know, now I'm like traveling the world, playing 1Ks and stuff, and and I'm all patched out, and I have deadlines for articles. It's, it's crazy, and it just goes to show, it just goes to show that you could really do anything you want to, in life. You could just set your mind to something and accomplish it. All you have to do is work hard. Yeah. So um, to to end it, I hate usually hitting people with questions like this. You know, they they seem a bit trite, but uh, I'll, I'll do I'll do it anyway. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> For someone with, you know, $300 and they, they maybe don't even have a car or whatever and they're starting out, what would be your sort of three, three main tips for them to, to do a Mike Wolf? Uh, let's see. $300? Where do they live? Do they live in the U.S. or outside the U.S.? Um, let's say they can play online poker. Oh. Yeah, let's say, let's say they play. They live in Mexico. There you go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. This is going to be easy. Um, the first thing you need to do is find someone's couch. Uh, find someone who has a free couch that could let you stay there. That's the first step. Okay. And then you need to take every dollar you have, all 300 of it, and throw it online, preferably on a website like Surebet with a small rake. That was a plug. Mm-hmm. 
Surebetpoker.com. Surebetpoker.com. Okay. And then you can sit heads up and play me, and I will donate a lot of money because I'm such a fish. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> and and the third the third thing. The third thing, um, I would say to keep your expenses down. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how much money they spend at the end of you know the week or the month or the year. A lot of people, like a lot of poker players, spend a lot of uh, extra money on things they don't necessarily need. Um, mm-hmm. I would say people should, you know, if you're a grinder, you should stop eating out as much as, as you do, you know. Mm-hmm. At the end of the month, you, you find you spend, hey, $500, $700 on, on food when you could have mm-hmm. reinvested that money into your bankroll. So I, I would definitely say to keep your expenses down. Yeah. Um, I think that's one I could take personally. I'm bad for you know extravagance and going out and food and things like that. Yeah, um, and I'm so bad with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, that's actually just to pick up on that one. What you said, I spoke with another guy, uh, Alex Fitzgerald, the Assassinato, um, online, and he's podcast on my site. And he, I was having a conversation with him, and he said that as well. You have to see yourself as a business mm-hmm. and keep those unnecessary expenses down. And uh, as you say, if you if you can save four hundred dollars a year, it's nearly five k at the end of the year on top of your bankroll, you know, and you're up, and that could put you on different stakes, give you a lot that cushion that we talk about and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely adds up, man. Definitely adds yeah. up. Well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I believe you're away to go and play cash live now, aren't you? Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> so, uh, well, good luck. Uh, run good. Um, the one com podcast it usually has good luck for people. Uh, Phil Helmuth's been on. He had a great World Series. Um, Julian Thieu, UK player, he was on. He won 42k in a tournament in the UK there. So hopefully tonight you have a really good session. You can maybe tweet me, let me know if they're on good work. That sounds good, Barry. I'll give you yeah. uh, I'll give you a five percent free roll. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Nice, nice. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> All right, take care, Mike. All right, take care, Barry.